Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, do we have to do this day two wrap from Old Trafford? An absolute stinker for the Aussies. They've been put to the sword by Zach Crawley and Joe Root. And as it stands, Australia were bowled out for 317. England, four for 384 in reply. Zach Crawley, a monster, 189 of 182 balls. Yes, you are listening to Cricket Unfiltered. I am Menes. I'm joined by Jack Clifton. Jack absolute horror show for the Aussies. It couldn't have gone worse. Yeah, very disappointing from an Australian point of view. Um, but credit where it's due, Zach Crawley, a, a wonderful innings and, and England in a very, very strong position now. At, with only two days gone, it's, it's, it's absolutely flown past the test, but they'll be feeling pretty pleased with themselves, the Poms at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And people on Twitter have asked if I'm angry this morning or if you're going to get mad men. And uh, you're not going to get mad men because I, I like to be right. And I said a year ago I had doubts about Pat Cummins' captaincy under pressure. And that has certainly played out on day two where it seemed like Australia was chasing the game all day. Look, before we get into the minutiae of day two, Jack, I just want to address something on day one. And people have written to me and asked, did we leave out Stuart Broad taking 600 test wickets on purpose? And I just want to say we didn't leave it out on purpose. I just went past it on the notes. But um, Stuart Broad took his 600th test wicket on day one of this test match. It should certainly be acknowledged. And, you know, I was sort of thinking about Broad's career and what he's meant to Australia. And um, he is a pantomime villain a villain like uh, you know he plays that role so well but actually he's actually quite likable and I don't like to say that too often but you know I like the way he's yeah I like the way he you know riles up the crowd I like the way he gets into the contest I like the way he says what he feels to the media so I have to congratulate him it's been a long career years and years of tormenting Australians in the ashes but just a phenomenal performance to be the fifth player to take 600 test wickets you probably don't like me saying this, Menes, but I, I think there's, um, I think you and Stuart Broad are probably a little bit alike because I think you like to play the villain uh, sometimes as well. So I think some of those traits probably cross over. Um, but I, it completely slipped my mind yesterday. I think when when you're doing a day wrap like we are, and we could sit here for two hours and, and talk about what's happened. I, I think sometimes we we kind of run through things and so much to get through. We just forget about it. But, sleep. 
yeah, it was. A, it's a wonderful, wonderful achievement from Stuart Broad. Um, he's he's been a, a superb bowler for a long time, but he's also been a really good all rounder. I was actually only speaking to one of my friends last night. We were at the um at the local pub watching um the the first session and 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 was kind of remarking about yeah what a quality batsman Stuart Broad um has been. He's still he's still got a little bit of fire in the belly batting wise now, but I think kind of when you look back five, six, seven, eight years ago, he was a, a really a quality number eight batter and played many valuable innings for, for England. Uh, but 600 wickets, regardless of how you get them, regardless of how long you play, it's, it's a wonderful achievement. And um, yeah, he's brought a lot of success and a lot of memories to, uh, to the English cricket fans over the years. And he's looking to create a, a few more over these next couple of tests. Definitely. I, I hope not so many in these last two tests <laughs> of the Ashes. All right. So looking at day two, Australia started the day in terrible fashion. Pat Cummins just smashed the first ball. He didn't even smash it. He hit the first ball of the day off James Anderson straight to cover. Seemed a tired shot. He just a loose drive and probably set the tone for the day, really. Yeah, summed up uh, the the pretty poor batting performance by the Australians. Um, it was a, It was a lazy shot. It was a poor shot. Uh, especially from a captain, especially from someone in that lower order that could have hung around and and got runs. We saw how long Josh Hazelwood was able to stick around and he certainly doesn't have the batting ability that, that Pat Cummins does. So I was really disappointed with that. I think as, um, as a captain, there's, there's a bit more pressure on you. I think that you need to show a bit more uh, determination at times. I, I don't think Australia needed to need to rush out. Maybe, maybe Pat Cummins was thinking about a, a counter attacking innings like he played uh, in have that. A look at one. Test. Have yeah. a look at one. Exactly. Well, it's. I would. I would be upset with my teammates in in St George area seventh grade park cricket if if one of them uh, played a shot like that, kind of one one ball in a one ball after a drinks break or one one ball after uh, the restart of play. Yeah, it was disappointing. And yeah, I think you're right. I think it did set the tone. Um, Hazelwood was able to stick around with Stark for a little while, and and gee, if if you take away Mitchell Stark's thirty six, I think he ended with. Mm. Um, yeah, that that score looks pretty grim from the Australians, and it got more grim as uh, as the morning and the afternoon wore, wore on over there in Manchester. Absolutely. So after um, Cummins went, Hazelwood was out next over off a woke snowball, cost them seventeen runs in the end. Um, Australia got to three hundred and seventeen before Hazelwood was eventually out to Wokes, caught by Duckett off four, and Wokes ended up with five for sixty-two and his first five-wicket haul in Ashes cricket, and he's been such an addition to this side since he's came in since after the first test and bowled excellently. Sorry, third test he came in, last mm-hmm. test and bowled very very well. So Australia all out for three hundred and seventeen, and. Looking at what was to come with India's um, England's batting, mm. it just showed what we said after the first day. It needed someone to go on and make that big, big daddy hundred, they call it, yeah. and anchor the innings. And England got it with Zach Crawley in Australia, desperately missed that big innings. Yeah, they needed one person to go on and and maybe a couple of other players to to support with those 40s and 50s. I think 450 probably would have been a pass score. I know people might kind of raise their eyebrows at that and say, well, England's 384 for four. How is 450 a pass right. score? But I, I think psychologically and, and and mentally, it can it can put a bit more pressure on a side that is batting second when when you do have a bigger score. I think with the the small the small grounds in England with the aggressive style of cricket that England's trying to play, 317 doesn't really make you shudder in your boots too much. So um, yeah, it was it was a wonderful innings from from Crawley. Um, he's he's had a, he's played a few good innings so far, but hasn't really exploded for that big score. Um, and, and that's 
that's not just a, a highlight for, for him in the, in the last 12 months. That's going to be a career highlight. I, th- I think when, when he finishes his career, however long Zach Crawley plays for it and, and what he does in his first class and international career to score 189 off what was 182 balls. Um, Ashes hundred. That's big. Yeah, incredible run rate, uh, incredible strike rate. And uh, the Australians didn't have any answers. And I guess that kind of, circles back around to, to, to what you'll talk about men as in, in regards to, to Pat Cummins captaincy, but that can't take anything away from a wonderful innings from Zach Crawley that uh, laid that laid the platform is the backbone of the, the English innings. that sees them only four down at, at stumps at the end of the second day and um, a handy 67 run lead that I'm sure the, uh, the, the English are, are pretty keen to, to make that balloon over 150, over 200, maybe even make it a match winning lead where, where Australia have really got their backs against the wall. Yeah, Zach Crawley said after play in the press conferences that maybe England would look to just bat once. I know there was some speculation, does England force the pace and declare it, say, around, you know, 450-500? But actually, they might actually try and bat as long as they can, get that lead up around 250 and put immense scoreboard pressure on Australia. And we saw, we'll get to the dismissals, but Root was out uh, late in the day to a ball that kept a little low. So England might be thinking, well, we don't really want to bat last chasing a couple of hundred. Let's get them while we're going. And the challenge for Australia in the first session on day three is to stop the tide. Um, so that's that's the big challenge for for Cummins. But so Australia bowled out for three seventeen. There was a little session before lunch that went okay for Australia. They got the wicket of Duckett. He was out um, caught by Carey off Stark for one. That made the score one for nine. But then a nice little partnership between Moeen Ali and Zach Crawley that began before lunch and finished after lunch. They made. They took the score from one for nine to two for 130 before Mo Ali was out for 54. Certainly did his role batting at three, a bit of a, a tick to the England selectors for having faith in him. It was a nice half century. He he did survive a couple of chances. Cummins missed one at mid-on. He didn't pick it up uh, just bef- before Ali went to his half century. Then he was dropped soon after. And then he was caught by Kawaja, a very good catch at mid-wicket. So he almost gave three chances off the pull shot in a very short period of time. But, you know, that partnership between Ali and uh, Crawley was a real momentum changer. Yeah, it was. The run's obviously important from from Ali, but I think the time spent at the wicket, the the frustration uh, that he would have given the Australian uh, bowlers was probably just as important as the the run scored out in the middle. And he he played his role perfectly. Zach Crawley was scoring at such a wonderful clip throughout his whole innings, and especially uh, during the the early portion um, of that partnership. So yeah, a, a really a really good partnership, and kind of took. I don't want to say it took the game away from Australia, but I think. At one for nine, if Australia had been able to get Ali early, if he nicks off or if Australia take some of those early opportunities, two for 30, two for 40 even, uh, even two for 80, Australia probably feel like they're kind of right in the game. Um, but I think they take the score to 138 before they lost. And then what a platform that is for Joe Root to, to come out. There's been plenty of times mm. in the English summer he's had to come out at when he was batting at three, one for not many or, or two for 30 or two for 40, but coming in with the shine taken off the ball, the Australian bowlers feeling a little bit of a fatigue with warmish weather there in Manchester and, and already 140 runs on the board. So yeah, I think that innings from Ali was, yeah, it was more than just the, the runs out in the middle. I think the time he occupied mm-hmm. and the, 
the way, uh, admittedly with a little bit of luck, but uh, Australia's had some luck with some poor English fielding in the past and it's the roles were, were kind of reversed a little bit this time, Menace. So, uh, yeah, an important innings and a really important partnership, probably the second most important partnership of the day, obviously behind the, uh, the, the, the root partnership, which followed immediately afterwards. Yeah, you're right. And I think the the Ali partnership just put in perspective Australia's score and I think made it all of a sudden seem pretty early on that Australia were, you know, as we said, 100 short of probably what was par on that pitch. So also in his innings, Mo Ali went past 3,000 test runs to go with his 200 test wickets and he's just the 16th player in test cricket to do that double. So, you know, a pretty... Um, pretty significant milestone for him. And then after lunch, it was really that lunch to tea session that has taken this game away for Australia. England scored one for 178 in that middle session. Zach Crawley scored a century in a session. He also went to his century of just 93 balls. And, you know, the 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 way they were able to score so quickly uh, took the game away from Australia. Also a great stat from Andy Zaltzman that uh, Root and Crawley's double hundred partnership is the fastest ever in test cricket in terms of overs. They ended up putting 206 on. But, yeah, of all of test cricket, that's the fastest ever double hundred yeah. partnership um, in terms of overs. So incredible stuff. Um, you know, Zach Crawley, 189, just – just a brilliant hundred, but this is why I thought Australia really started to get their tactics wrong. Uh, I mean, I thought we went to the short ball too early. Uh, I, I, for some reason, um, they're obsessed with trying to um, put the field back on the leg side and, and bounce the England batters. And I don't know about you, Jack, but I think we've lost perspective that good line and length bowling is what wins test matches. And I think that that tactic, the, the short bowling tactic from Australia it may work on more bouncy pitches in Australia with the, with the bigger grounds that the extra pace. Yeah. That, that might yield three or four or five wickets, but even so we've seen home test matches where, where Australia have been banging the ball in short for hour after hour and it hasn't paid dividends for them. Um, It it seems like the, the, if they, if they can't get wickets with that line and length bowling, if the, the ball isn't seeming or swinging, that's immediately there their plan B, but then, but then there's no plan C menace. So if mm. plan A doesn't work and we don't get any wickets with the new ball when the ball's swinging and, and the seam is high. Um, okay. We're, we're going to go to to the short pitch bowling and, and, and try and bounce but, them out. And, but and do, you think Jack, do you think Jack that we've been sucking into playing at England's pace? So England want to go fast. They want to play bas ball. Mm-hmm. And I think actually we've been sucking into that thinking we need to go with them with the ball. Let's bowl bounces and get them out while they're playing shots. But I actually think we should pull back and try and play the game at our pace, stack yeah. one side of the field. I'd be bowling, you know, when Crawley's really going in that middle session and route, I'd be bowling, you know, six stump line, six and seven stump line, have a stacked offside field and say, okay, we'll try and try and score quickly against this. Yeah. Well, and that's the, that, that should be the modus operandi. That's for many years. That's been the the style of cricket that a lot of sides have, have played. That's when you grow up playing junior cricket in this country, that's what you're, you're taught. Yeah. You want to hit the top of offer. You want to be bowling full outside the off stump. And if you throw in a, um, a, a point, cover point, cover, extra cover. Uh, you have, yeah, six fielders stacked on that offside. Third man. And, these, Third. and these, these guys are internationals as well. They're the very top of their game. So they can bowl pretty much on a on a, on a 10 cent piece time and time and time again. So, yeah, you, you, I think you're probably right. Um, I think fast bowlers can get carried away with, 
uh, with the pace and um, and I think sometimes that they enjoy going going to that and, and it's almost like they they find an excuse okay the pitch is a bit dry the pitch is a bit tacky it's a bit slow we have to bowl short because otherwise we're not going to get wickets and I don't I don't necessarily um, believe with that and and again it's been proved that the the short ball theory hasn't worked it's it's worked a few times in 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 the the three test matches that Australia have played in but I think last night was. Yeah, um, if, if they had to go back and watch that Ben Stokes innings at Headingley in 2019, they, they should have been last night. Um, dinner plan should have been off and they, they should have been forced to watch some of that bowling um, and, and, and I guess some of the field placements because it was very, very poor. And it's it's the ma- major reason, um, along with the poor batting men, is that Australia find, them in, uh, find themselves in as big a hole as they currently do. Yeah, and I feel that also Cummins was following the ball a lot, that England batters had start hitting it a certain direction and he'd, he'd move the field there, which is a real sign that you're, you're really struggling uh, as a skipper if that's the case. So Yeah, they say um, you've got to be proactive, not reactive as a captain, which mm. is not an easy thing to do. But, yeah, it's um, that certainly hasn't been the case today. And then as well, would Australia have benefited from having a finger spinner like Todd Murphy in the side to provide some variation? You had, you know, four right arm quicks, Hazelwood, Cummins, um, Marsh and Green, and then you've got Mitchell Stark, the left arm, you know, would have, you know, variety of helped. I mean, Travis Head came on and they clearly decided they weren't going to let him settle. And he went six overs, none for 48. So, you know, not picking Murphy, we'll never know, but I think, you know, it was exposed a little already that, uh, it just left the attack a bit one-dimensional. And then, you know, and we saw this at um, Headingley, Pat Cummins is not bowling well. Ten, 16 overs, none for 93 on day two. You know, essentially, if not the best fast bowler in the top few, you know, he's gone missing in the last two test matches. You know, is it too much for him, this captaincy? Is the stress of this series taking it out of him? But, you know, it's a big concern because, you know, if you're picking three frontline bowlers, Stark, Hazelwood and Cummins, and Cummins has a stinker, well, you know, you're leaving a lot up to Stark and Hazelwood. Yeah, you are. Um, and I think even though he got a, got a few wickets last night, Stark, he's the kind of bowler that the English batters love coming up against because he bowls those penetrating lengths. He bowls really full. If the ball's not swinging, uh, not not that it's really Mitchell Stark's fault. The uh, the, the English can kind of get after that. So it's um yeah it's it is a bit concerning. If I was Australia, I'll just I would hand the captaincy to Steve Smith for 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 the rest of the the rest of the te- they're not going to do that. Um, but sometimes you need to mm. you need to take gambles um, like that. I think Austra- the, the Australian brass, so to speak, have have probably played it uh, a little bit too safe. Um, from the days of, of giving the captaincy to Tim Payne to obviously Andrew McDonald taking over after Justin Langer. I think sometimes, yeah, you need to, you need to make decisions that aren't very popular. Um, and and I, I know you've, you've kind of spoken on social media at length about this before, men, is about the fact that in, in the history of, of test cricket, of international cricket, bowlers generally haven't had much success as, as captains. Wazim Akram was probably one of the, the upper echelon captains, but he also... Well, I would a, sort of look a, at Imran Khan. And yeah. as I said last and, and week, he was, as well. yeah, he was the prime players. minister of the country. Yeah, but so. <laughs> both those captains had had very good squads and had a strong batting lineups as well. So plenty of, of runs to to defend. Um, so yeah, it, it is a bit concerning and... and I think the, the captaincy can can weigh um, weigh on your decision making, and heck, if you're you're feeling a bit uh, a, a bit awkward or or a bit uh, I don't well, know. Glenn, 
Well, Glenn yeah. McGrath said it on the BBC radio after play that, you know, obviously being a fast bowler takes a lot out of you mentally. Mm-hmm. So you put it all in for your overs, but then you can go down to fine leg and kind of wind down, relax, look at the yeah. crowd, think about what you're going to do that night. But Cummins doesn't have that luxury because, no. he, you know, he has to go down and think about, you know, setting the field. Also, not having Nathan Lyon means you can't just plug him in at one end and say, bowl 10 overs, I'll just worry yeah. about the other end. So, you know, I think we're seeing the strain take take um, take um its toll on Cummins. Um, so in the third session, England scored two for 145 off 31 overs. So they went for a total run rate of 5.3 runs per over to in that four for 384. And in the last session, 4.7 runs per over. And you could tell just um, Brook and Stokes uh, up to stumps were just trying to keep their wickets intact for a, an assault on the morning of day three. Eventually, Crawley was out for 189, bowled by Cameron Green coming around the wicket, dropped it in short and just played it onto his stumps. And Joe Root was bowled by Josh Hazelwood for 84, a ball that kept low, cannon into the stumps. So I guess the positive aspect for Australia is, as you said, that they've opened the door. They've got got into the middle lower order. So next you've got Bearstow, then Wokes. You know, so Australia will feel they're a couple of wickets away from the tail and, and they have to come out on day three and, and break this Brookstokes partnership and, and try and get into the lower order. Oh, most definitely. They've, uh, as far as I'm concerned, they've got to get these final six wickets for, for under 100 runs. I think we were even speaking off air before we started the podcast, Menace. And I said, even if they were to take six for 60 in that morning session, that still gives England a, a 120 to 130 run advantage, which I think is a, a huge advantage in this test match. I don't think a, a side has had that kind of advantage so far, at least a, a side that's been batting second. So yeah, they're, they're going to have to really come out. They're going to have to change up some of their plans um, because that's where the energy is going to be. They're going to be full of running. Um, they might be able to get a, a little bit of overhead cloud cover, um, hopefully, but we've noticed that a lot of the runs, Australia was I think three for 180 odd midway through that second session on day one England scored 178 runs in that second session so it seems like once the once the the, the morning and once the afternoon comes and, and warms things up and the pitch is dried out it does become probably best for batting by that second and third sessions of the of the day so yeah Australia they're under a lot of pressure um, and yeah I wouldn't be surprised if they if they will again under the pressure especially if uh, if Stokes and Co get through the first mm. kind of forty five minutes without too many concerns, um, uh, yeah, I, I do fear for the way Australia will react, man. As if if that lead does kind of balloon up to one twenty, one fifty, one eighty, um, and, and I fear I fear Australia could go really defensive, and and that could um, that could really play into the English hands like it did um, with with Stokes um, in that that wonderful innings that he played in the second test where they they just came up short. Yeah, I can't see Australia getting out of this test match at the moment. I've got. Um, grave fear that grave fears that we'll lose it and the series will be two all heading to the oval. I guess the, the positives for Australia are the weather, you know, can enough rain come through the ground on the weekend and it doesn't look like it, but no. to take enough time out of the game. And, you know, I just have real concerns that faced with a big deficit, whatever they keep it to, whether it's 100, 200, 250, mm. that Australia will be unable to survive. I mean, England have got the best of the conditions. The pitch on day two looked flatter and better to bat on than day one. And that's why, you know, you know, all the players getting starts on day one and not giving Australia the opportunity to bat on day two has really cost them. And um, yeah, I just can't see Australia getting out of this in, in, unless, unless Warner comes out of his slump and, 
you know, plays a commanding innings at the top of the order and Kawaja sticks with him. My grave fear is, you know, Warner goes early to broad. So we're one for not many. The batters look up and we're, you know, 200 behind England's first innings. And it could actually be over for me on day three. I, I You know, people talk about the weather. I have concerns that Australia won't make it into day four or five, which is why yeah. I think this the selection of this team and McDonald and Cummins have completely balls this up. They've gone conservative in this test match. They lost sight of trying to win it. I said it beforehand, so it's not like I'm, um, you know, just seeing the result and reacting. I said it beforehand, and, and this is where you get in trouble. you got to play to win. Yeah. the, the If Australia were to just get out of jail here, it, it has to be the, the top four. Smith and Smith, Labashane, Kawaja, Warner to a lesser extent ha- w- would have to have to get runs. Um, yeah, it, w- it would have to be one of those special Stephen Smith innings where we see him score 200 um, or score a, a big 150 and stick around for, for 300 plus balls. Um, but then he needs people to stay with him. And I, I don't really have the faith in the Australian top order that they'll be able to, to do that. And the other thing to focus on is England have their tails up. I think probably the worst thing that could have happened for Australia was what transpired in that second test um, with, with the run out or the stumping of, of Johnny Bairstow. What, what, whatever side of the fence you're on, I think that just really galvanized England. And I think the break after that, um, uh, like the, the few days after that leading into the third test um, just brought their confidence up. It was kind of a little bit like a, a, a siege mentality. And then even despite having uh, what an eight or nine day break, England have come into this test fired up and Australia didn't bat particularly well on that first day. Um, but I thought England, England bowled some pretty good line and lengths after getting it wrong in the first part of the innings. And, and that's really the difference at the moment then as between the two sides is that England were able to readjust their lengths. We spoke yesterday on the program about how um, I think James Anderson and Stuart Broad had, had both said that Australia, uh, that they'd bowled a little bit too full to Travis head and they pulled it back. Australia didn't adjust their lengths at all, apart from bowling full early in early in the day to trying to bounce England out. And um, that's not a big enough of a, of a change to, to um, yeah, to, to be getting a whole clump of wickets. So they've been, they've been outplayed and they've probably been a little bit outcoached in this, uh, in this test so far. Yeah, certainly outsmarted. I just think McDonald and Cummins have been really tested tactically in the selection table. And George Bailey and probably at the moment aren't quite getting the results they need. Um, mm. I guess, okay, so let's wrap this up. But I guess my closing thought is that the one thing I will say about this Australian side, and I'm very pessimistic about this test match, but they are a calm side and they're not very reactive. So I guess one of the knocks is, you know, Justin Langer would be, you know, kicking garbage bins after a day like that. McDonald won't be doing that and Cummins won't be doing that. They'll be reflecting. So I still think there's the ability for them to come out and play much better on day three with the ball and maybe bat okay but I just don't think it'll be enough to save this test match. And it's, it's a hard position to be in when regardless of what lead England get, even if it's only 150 or 180, it is very hard as a batting unit to come out when you've got that deficit in front of you, because you've got to play completely differently. All the commentators and all the pundits and all the journalists will say, Oh, well, it's just like any other, it's just like any, uh, like any other game. It's just like any other innings. You just got to play your natural game. Well, you, you can't because if Australia play the natural game, they'll probably get get out for between two fifty and three fifteen, and and will have handed the the, the test match uh, to England. So you've got to try and occupy a little bit of time, and especially with maybe a little bit of rain around, probably not enough to to rain out the test, but at least to interrupt the the progression of 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 England. Um, and that's probably 
the, the one thing I'm leaning on as an Australian fan is the fact that that Usman Khawaja and Steve Smith and Labashane showed it in the first things is they can occupy long periods of time at the crease. If we could get an innings out of Kawaja, like we saw in the, in the first test, um, we've seen Smith do it at home. He, he's probably become um, a, a, a bit more defensive at times later in his career than he was earlier in his career. Um, yeah, you would need guys like that to, to be in there for 250 plus balls. And then, yeah, yeah, you, you never know, but it's, um, yeah, it's a, I don't know what the wind viz probability would be, but I, I would say it would be kind of 60, 70% kind of heading towards the English at the moment. And they've, they've played very well. I think they've not, I don't think they have been the better side over, over the first two days. I think professional first class units talk about winning session by session. And that's what Australia's got to do, got to do tomorrow. They've uh, or tonight. Mm. They've got to, they just got to win every session. Uh, they've got to get wickets in the morning session. If they get a chance to bat, during session two or three minutes, they've uh, they've just got to really apply themselves and just play every ball on its merit and, and not be thinking too far ahead because there's a lot of time uh, left in this test match. And look, this is where we'll need this desperately long batting lineup they've gone for with Green at yeah. um, seven and Carey at eight, Cummins and Stark nine and ten. I mean, if if any batting lineup can bat for a while and score a big second inning score, they've got the the charges to do it. All right, Jack, that's it for our day two wrap. Thanks so much for joining me. Australia in trouble, England 67 runs ahead with six wickets in hand. Where can the listeners find you and your great podcast on the St. George Dragons? Uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all good, uh, other good podcast uh, platforms, uh, also on social media. Uh, the Red V Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, we won the Spoon Bowl battle last night, 18-14, against the West Tigers. So there's plenty of happy Dragons fans that have uh, just relished in our fifth win in uh, in 20-something games. So <laughs> they're uh, they're happy. I, I think I would have preferred the, the Dragons to perhaps go down in Australia to have taken a whole uh, gaggle of wickets yesterday. But uh, you take the wins where you can get a menace. <laughs> That's right. And... Uh... Uh, for Australian fans, I was thinking of actually just doing a review of the Matildas' great victory over yeah. Ireland in the World Cup <laughs> opener today instead of talking about the cricket. But alas, this is a cricket <laughs> podcast. I'm Menas. Australia's backs against the wall. Can they perform the great escape and retain the ashes? I'm not confident, but we'll be back on day three to talk about it. <laughs> This is a Piccolo Podcast production. Sports Social Podcast Network.